A sad reality that we face in ministry today is that fewer people trust their pastor. Fewer people trust that their pastor or that clergy people in general are good and moral and upstanding people in society. And unfortunately, this is not without cause. There has been a lot of scandal in the church. And so we operate in the backdrop of those who have gone before and have made a mess of things. And even though we know that there is grace and God can restore, it still doesn't change the fact that people are going to look at us differently and we have to operate within that framework. So how can we as preachers communicate and preach with confidence even when the people sitting in front of us may not trust us? There might be a good measure of distrust for us. That's what we're gonna talk about in today's podcast. If you're new here, this is the Preaching Donkey Podcast. My name is Lane, I am your humble host. I'm so thrilled and humbled that you would stop by to hang out with me today. Cannot wait to get into today's topic. But before we get started, I wanna put something in your hands for free as a way to say thank you for stopping by today. If you go to preachingdonkey.com 21 days, you can pick up my free 21 day guide to creating killer sermons. This is a three week, three step process that will walk you through how to create and deliver a compelling life-changing message. So whether you've been preaching for a long time and you're looking for some fresh and new ideas or you're just starting out in your preaching ministry and you're trying to find any resource you can, there's something in here for you. Go to preachingdonkey.com 21 days. You can pick it up there totally for free. We're looking at an article that Ed Stetzer wrote, and this is published at churchleaders.com, communicating with confidence when people distrust pastors. Jared Wilson of Midwestern Seminary tweeted about the common perception of pastors in America. It says, you're the preacher? Yes. So you're the guy with all the answers? No, I'm the guy who points to that guy. And it's interesting that people might see us as thinking that we have all the answers. And so this this is a, I, I love this tweet. No, I'm the guy who points to that guy. But for so long, churches have been set up to operate as if we at the top have all the answers and that contributes to the distrust. A decline in view toward pastors. Unfortunately, perceptions about pastors are not always good. According to a Gallup poll, only 37% of adults consider, quote, the honest and ethical standards, end quote, of clergy as, quote, very high. So only 37% of people think that clergy members have a very high honest and ethical standards. Wow. In contrast, nurses rate much higher at 84%. When we consider what people usually hear about pastors in the news, their distrust makes a little bit more sense. I mentioned this at the top of the episode. There's been a lot of scandal. There's been a lot of moral failure. There's been a lot of abuse and a lot of cover-up. And when you put all that together, it's no wonder that there's people who would say, I don't trust these pastor people. But 37%, this mean, this is about only a third, basically only a third of people actually trust that pastors have a very high ethical standard. That means nearly two-thirds of people do not think that. Two-thirds of people think that maybe we have a dishonest and low ethical standard. That is a pretty challenging place from which we communicate. 
We frequently hear stories of pastors who are removed because of financial issues, sexual immorality, abusive styles. The Catholic Church has some sexual abuse scandal. The Houston Chronicle had a series on the Southern Baptist, as did the Fort Worth Star-Telegram on scandals among the independent Baptist churches in Chicagoland. He says where, where he lives, the pastor of the two largest churches were the pastors of the two largest churches were fired or resigned in recent years. He's talking about James McDonald and Bill Hybels, two monumental, massive figures in evangelicalism. Both took a just took a hard fall. Very, very tragic stories. Others leave on their own, though some of the stars' stats are exaggerated. Pastors are not leaving in droves, but they certainly are leaving. From the outside, this does not look good. It's easy to see why people may be suspicious of pastors if these are the stories they hear, scandal, abuse, and burnout. So with that, how do we overcome that reputation? He says, part of the problem is that most of us probably aren't speaking too much of Jesus. Remember, he is the point of the message and the hero of the story. We are not. This is huge. If your church structure is set up where everyone is looking to its leadership, they're looking to you to be their savior. And maybe you don't say it this way. In fact, I'm sure you don't. That'd be weird if you did. But the way that it's communicated is in subtle ways, right? That the pastor kind of floats around on this cloud of holiness and he's put on a pedestal and people don't really believe that the pastor is a real person. Those are the kind of things that lead to this, where people are looking more to the pastor than they're looking to Jesus. Or in some mega churches where they're completely personality driven, everybody's looking to the pastor because he is the embodiment and the example of their faith experience. So when he falls, the whole thing falls. This is a massive problem. So remember, he says, Jesus is the point of the message and the hero of the story we are not. We don't hear many pastors mention the time that they spent away in prayer or in Sabbath and resting, but they might talk about their latest book or their sermon or the size of their church. This lends to the distrust, especially when paired with the scandals in the news. We need to preach Christ crucified, not our great accomplishments. Very, very well said, Ed Stetzer. Building trust. So how do we preach to an audience whose default is to not trust us? First, realize that our position no longer carries the respect it once did. Very, very smart, very wise. Realize that your position no longer carries the respect it once did. If you're in ministry and you're aware, you already know this. This is not anything you don't already know. When a nurse walks into the room, there's an automatic trust, but not so much for pastors. People will not automatically believe anything we tell them about the Bible, gospel, or reality. Proclaiming the word itself does not guarantee listeners can or should trust the messenger. One thing we can do is add scriptural, statistical, or scientific support to the assertions or arguments we make in our sermons. Someone may not automatically trust us, but they may be more accepting of a well-supported and logical statement. This is one of the things that I love to talk about, and that is do not hesitate to back up what you're saying by citing sources, citing authority, being able to show it's not just me, my opinion, my interpretation, but here is a body of work that supports it. You can go overboard with that, but a healthy dose of citation in your message can really help build trust. Second, he says, 
analyze how we as preachers build trust, not just inside our sermons, but also outside our sermons. Do we give people who are listening permission to wrestle through the message or ask questions themselves? This is so good. Give people an opportunity. Ask questions. Give people the opportunity to disagree with you. Invite people to disagree with you. Invite people to doubt. Invite people to go and do their own research. Do not come across like to disagree with you is to disagree with God. You do not want that. He says, do we find ways to build a rapport inside and outside of the sermon? Our integrity outside of the church building matters just as much as our integrity inside it. Our congregation may not remember all of our sermon, but they will remember how we treat the people around us. Very true. Third, preach to ourselves first. Remember that we are sharing the transformational gospel, not reading from a phone book, right? We want our congregations to know that the text we preach has pierced our soul. Sometimes it may be hard to demonstrate this in a sermon, so Craig Rochelle offers a series of questions to ask ourselves as we prepare. How has the text affected you? How have you failed in the area the scripture addresses? What about the text makes you uncomfortable? What do you feel about what the scripture is saying? How are you becoming different because of your study of God's word? This is so important. I talked about this several weeks ago in the podcast, how important it is to not just read the passage, but let the passage read you and to live it out. And then to be honest about some of the places that he's talking about here. How has it affected you? Where are you not living up to it? What makes you uncomfortable? All these things are so vital to show that you are an authentic person person who's preaching an authentic message. He goes on, sharing some of these things as we preach allows the congregation to relate, trust, and know us better. It also gives them the opportunity to acknowledge and address their own similar struggles with scripture. Fourth, he says, preach on issues contributing to the cultural distrust, financial stewardship, pride, sexual immorality, brokenness. One of the worst things we can do is pretend as if these are not actual issues in the church and brush them aside. I recommend preaching from the Psalms, particularly David's Psalms, because he is so honest before the Lord. He says, how long, O Lord? He often cries. The Psalms are also where we see him rejoice and repent. Our congregations would greatly benefit from hearing biblical examples of faith through all seasons of life. This is where David's story can be tremendously helpful. Additionally, we should preach sermons that demonstrate the brokenness of people. God has loved and used Moses the murderer, Noah the drunk, David the adulterer, Peter the denier, and others. We need to, contrib- we need to continue to draw our people back to the hope and restoration of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So true. You will not avoid distrust by avoiding difficult topics. People will just begin to feel like the experience is superficial. So by avoiding topics like giving or sexual immorality or brokenness or depression, people will just start to think there's not much to this place and this just seems fake and I don't quite trust you. The more you go into these topics, just like the psalmist did, the more trustworthy and believable you're going to be. So Stetzer closes it up. Here's what he says. Last, offer vulnerability in our sermons and in our life. We must be honest about our own struggles and battles. We can't share everything with the congregation. So be wise about what we share and how we share it. That's very true. 
Very true. For example, I often discuss how being a father of teenagers has been both the hardest and the most exciting thing I've ever done. Any parent of teenagers can relate to this. Author of TED Talk, presenter Brené Brown, offers a powerful perspective on vulnerability. He says, I believe that vulnerability, the willingness to show up and be seen with no guarantee of outcome, is the only path to more love, belonging, and joy. Brown argues there is a great strength in vulnerability. Vulnerability is not winning or losing, it's having the courage to show up and to be seen when we have no control over the outcome. Vulnerability is not weakness, it's our greatest measure of courage. A lot of cheap seats in the arena are filled with people who never venture onto the floor. Our vulnerability is a demonstration of our, of our belief in the gospel. No matter what our struggles may be, God's grace is more and nothing will snatch us out of his hands. I love the argument, the, the definition that Brown gave of vulnerability. Vulnerability, the willingness to show up and be seen with no guarantee of outcome. Wow. What if you gave a message, if you preached a message in a, in a way that was vulnerable such that you didn't know how people were going to take it? You didn't know for certain that people are going to hear this message and just laud you with praise because of how open and vulnerable you are. But you still did it because you knew that it was going to help people. He wraps it up with pursuing holiness. Above all, pursue holiness. Robert Murray McChain's words preached at the ordination of a young pastor remind us of what matters most as pastors. Study the universal holiness of life. Your whole usefulness depends on this. Your sermon on Sabbath lasts for an hour or two. Your life preaches all week. Remember, shepherds are standard bearers. Satan aims his fiery darts at them. If he can make you covetous, if you make you a covetous pastor, a lover of pleasure, or a lover of praise, a lover of good eating, then he has ruined your ministry forever. Ah, let him preach 50 years. He will never do any harm to your brother. Dear brother, cast yourself at the feet of Christ. Implore his spirit to make you a holy man. Well said. He's basically saying, if you, as the pastor, can become the antithesis of what you're preaching, you will be of no effect. If you can, if, if, the, if the enemy can get you to basically stand up every week and say empty words that mean nothing because they're not being lived out by you, eventually your ministry will have no impact on the people that you're ministering to. None of us want that, right? None of us want to have a ministry at the end of the day that is like that. So he's saying pursue holiness. There's some really good things to think about here. The vulnerability, being able to preach on things that are difficult, being able to look inside the text to see what has actually spoken to us and how we can communicate that. So many good things here. People are going to distrust us as pastors. Not much we can do about that. But we can choose, not much we can do about how they feel about pastors in general, but we can make an impact on the people who interact with us that's positive and build trust over time. I'd love to hear what you think in the comments below if you're watching here on YouTube. If you're listening on one of the many podcast players, be sure to leave us a five-star review. Can't wait to see you in the next episode real soon. Until then, remember, if God can speak through a donkey, he can speak through you, and he can speak through me. 